0: Welcome to another episode of D Program with Carrie Smith. This is still a relatively new channel. We've been around for a few months now. I just want to say thank you to everyone who has watched our videos, shared them, um, supported us, joined Book Club. Uh, just very grateful for everything that's happened in the past few months and um, I'm excited about my interview here today. So this is someone that I've been wanting to talk to for a while. Like a lot of people in the past few years, since I left social justice ideology, I've made a lot of new friends online. And then some of those friends I've been lucky enough to meet in the real world. Not this lady yet, hopefully soon. Um, but please welcome. Uh, so hila Devadzi, who is a Vedic counselor and a pujari offering personalized rituals and spiritual counseling based in the Hindu Dharmic traditions. She has been working for about a decade in the nonprofit space and is currently working on creating her own Hindu temple. I know nothing about this. <laughs> Please welcome Suhaila. How are you?
1: Hi. Namaste Stan. hello, Ms. Carrie Smith. Thank you for having me on. It's, I'm so glad we're finally getting to talk.
0: Yeah, me too. And thank you for being so patient with my numerous delays. And anyway, I, I'm okay. so glad. we Once we got on the uh, phone the first time, I said, oh, this is going to be a good interview because I am so outside of my element. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so why don't you start off by telling people just a little bit about who you are and what is a Pujari, just a
1: little bit about yeah, yeah. your background. Definitely. Um, so what I do these days, um, a Pujari. I'm an evaded counselor. So, and I come from the Hindu tradition, not originally, I was uh, born into like very fundamentalist evangelical Christian community and family environment. Um, And we can talk about that later. But eventually I found Hinduism, which just was like the most beautiful fit for me. It really, really worked for me. And it helped, uh, helped me integrate a lot of the traumas that I went through, um, the religious trauma, (laughs) and also um, a lot of issues that I had about being an LGBT person because I'm a transsexual person as well. Um, So Hinduism has, um, it's a lot of people think it's a religion but it's a whole civilizational ethos and there's um, so many different parts and parcels of it um, and so many tools available to help us um, live a really awesome, rich, prosperous life on a like mental level, psychological level, physical level, spiritual level. Like all the tools are there for really holistic well-being. So um, I like to share the tools that I've used through like Ayurveda or traditional Indian medicine, um, but techniques with yoga or breathing or mudras, uh, using mantras or different words, um, setting up a dinacharya or like a Vedic morning routine. So I use what tools that I've learned over the years to help me grow in so many different ways to help other people in their journey as well. And um, most of the people I work with actually aren't Indian or Hindu or coming from an Eastern tradition. A lot of people I work with are um, like ex Christians, ex Jews. A lot of like a lot of people that were like burned by the Abrahamic traditions, I guess you could mm. say, and a lot of LGBT people that um, felt like they're looking for a space. Um, that they can be spiritually, um, where they don't feel like they have to compromise their LGBT-ness, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've worked with a lot of those people, and um, instead of them just kind of surrendering surrendering themselves to atheism, because I see a lot of that, instead of them doing that, I can see there is that desire for spirituality and spiritual traditions and ritual and all of these different things. Um, So yeah, I love teaching people about Hinduism and giving them all of these different tools to help solve their problems. <laughs> and that's, that's what a pujari is. And a pujari is someone that specifically does uh, certain rituals. So um, there are fire rituals that you do and you chant various mantras and prayers um, and, and you work with various deities um, or archetypes. Um, and uh, yeah, there are many different kinds of Hindu rituals. Um, so I, I do personalized things, um, working with specific deities, uh, working with people. So for example, a deity I work with a lot is, um, Ganesha. He's the elephant headed God. Maybe you've seen a picture. I have seen. Yeah. Yes. So I do a lot of work with Ganesha, especially with people first coming into Hinduism and he's the God of obstacles and breaking obstacles, putting obstacles in your way. Um, and, uh, so Can many I, people. Yeah. Ask.
0: So, so I'm just going to be the total dummy here. No, uh, please, it's so, okay. <laughs> which I think is better. It's better. I didn't do a lot of research because mm. I'd rather just ask you. So I actually had a friend who, this, this is interesting. When I first started leaving social justice and I had I I don't think I realized I was in the middle of some kind of spiritual transformation Mm. i just knew i was leaving my old ideology and the nature of the things i was posting online on social media was changing i was asking more questions and um one of my friends he he was an acquaintance at the time who who i knew from new york reached out to me and he's hindu and he said Mm -hmm. he, he wanted to talk to me and so we got on the phone and he said you are undergoing like you're looking for god That's what's happening, and I I thought I was like, "No, I'm not looking for God." (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and he, I thought he was very insightful about that. But you know, I didn't I didn't ask him a
1: lot about um, Hinduism, and so I'm gonna Mm. ask some of those questions of you. Ask away. I'm not offended by anything LGBT or trans Hinduism. Like, I'm not offended. So ask anything.
0: So. When you talk about Ganesha and these different deities, so in the Hindu tradition, do you believe um, that these are actual beings like that, 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 that Ganesha, when you, you called these deities archetypes as well. Yes. um, yes. Do you believe that these are mythical beings or are they more um, uh, symbols of of something that can't be put into words or what?
1: Well, it depends on who you ask. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> uh, you get a lot of um, these days, especially, things have become so watered down, and to believe in a personal deity or personal entities like angels or gods or, you know, mm. beings of the beyond, um, that's become very unfashionable these days. People just want to believe in like an impersonal, like force or like a something that exists out there. But, um, mm. I believe uh, the way I understand it is that the deities are multidimensional. So there's an aspect, for example, with um, Lakshmi. Lakshmi is the goddess of wealth. So I believe that Lakshmi, she is the the dimension that is prosperity, that is wealth, that is abundance, that is richness, um, and that ability to provide and be satiated. That is, that's Lakshmi, right? So I believe that she is like an independent intelligence, I guess you could say, but she is also like money and wealth of friends and wealth of spiritual knowledge and, Mm -hmm. um, wealth of food. And, um, so it's like a multi-dimensional thing. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. So, uh, (laughs) no, you're, you're helping me understand
0: better. You are. Um, do you, and so, and so how many of these, you said you do a lot of work with, um, Ganesha. So what does that
1: mean? So, um, uh, a lot of the people that are coming um, and working with me for the first time and they're not familiar with Hinduism, I'll work with Ganesha with them because uh, Ganesha is also known as like the Lord of obstacles and or, uh, the Lord of new beginnings and success and victory. So like for Hindus, when you start like the day or if you start a new journey, if you start a new job, a new relationship, anything new at the beginning, you always pray to Ganesh um, to make sure that you don't have any obstacles and that you'll work smarter, not harder to get around what obstacles you do face to be able to achieve success. Um, and when I, when I'm working with Ganesha, um, some people believe that he's just an archetype and like a dimension of psychology and the dimension of um, all of the things that he represents. Some people believe that he is indeed like a An independent, intelligent, spiritual entity or spiritual force, which I also believe. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. Um. So depending, but the beautiful thing about Hinduism is like, you don't really have to believe if it's real or not for it to benefit you, Mm -hmm. Um, because even if you don't believe Ganesh is like a real entity or whatever, if you listen to all the stories and the parables, the symbolism and the lessons are there regardless of you think if it's real or not, because the truth that the spiritual stories. Are touching on it's not about historicity or if it actually happened or not it's about all of these different parables and the symbolism within the stories to touch on truths that are beyond space and time so a name a name for hinduism that, that hinduism is actually what outsiders called hinduism so hinduism what it calls itself is sanatana dharma which is just the eternal way or the eternal religion um so the it touches way on, Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Much much like the Tao. So it touches on these um, aspects that are truth that are beyond space and time um, that are applicable for anyone in any civilization. Of course, because of the language and the very colorful iconography, it's very confusing for a lot of people, but it's a very complex system for understanding yourself. Like I kind of see working with different aspects of the deities is like, having a mirror in front of you and seeing a different reflection of yourself. Because like Ganesha is a part of you. Krishna is a part of you. Lakshmi is a part of you. Mm -hmm. So um, when you're working with them and you're studying their stories and you're doing rituals to, to give energy to that, like what you worship, you become. So by worshiping Lakshmi and worshiping wealth and chanting about her and praying to her and thinking about all of her various qualities, you're imbibing that inner Lakshmi dimension within yourself as well. So you can, it depends on how you look at it. Like I said, I mm-hmm. think that the devas are, uh, the, the deities they're called the devis or the devatas. When in Sanskrit, it just means the being of light, the luminous light beings. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just described as like well-wishing well entities for us. So sometimes I don't like to use the English terms and narratives about like gods and demons and all of that, because it's a very different uh, system. And also a lot in the Western systems, you don't typically look at angels and gods and stuff as aspects of your own self. You know, there's a lot of different separation there. Hmm. Um,
0: What is your, what is the Hindu origin story in terms of like, you know, there's a creation story that that I think most people, even if they're not Christian could tell you the shorthand of the Christian creation Mm -hmm. story. What is the Hindu story?
1: Well, Um, like the Hindu story of like creation Mm -hmm. of how everything came about or like, okay, well, there's a couple different stories. Um, but the big idea, the big picture is that time isn't linear. Time is cyclical and, um, time and space are just relegated to this material world. So there is a whole world of the transcendental spiritual world that is beyond this material plane that is subject to time and space. So, um, there is uh, the way that it is described is very like quantum physics and stuff. Um, if you can imagine, uh, there's Vishnu, the, he is the god, he's asleep and he's lying on um, his big, big bed of snakes. And it says that with every exhale, uh, that, like breathing out from every pore of his body, there are, there are innumerable cosmoses and universes and dimensions exiting throughout every pore of his body. And within every single pore of that body, there are reflections of the other dimensions in the other worlds. Um, I wish I had my book with a picture. There's a very interesting picture when you see it because it's very interesting the way that the dimensions are described. And that through that whole exhale, that's over many trillions and trillions and trillions of years. So there are many, the time scale in Hinduism is massive on mm-hmm. billions, trillions, trillions of years. So um, the whole of the cosmic manifestation, not just earth, is in this expanding, expanding, expanding. And then um, eventually Vishnu will inhale and he'll breathe in. And then when he breathes in all of the innumerable universes and cosmoses, they will all return to him uh, and eventually return to God. And then like everything will be destroyed, transmuted, and then recreated again. And this is all happening over again, like, many, many, many trillions of trillions of our years, because like time for us is not something that is eternally existing, right? Our, our Mm. time scale is based off the earth and the sun and how we move and stuff. So time in other places is different. Well, that's something I
0: absolutely, that I agree with that because Mm. I mean, that's sort of in Christianity when people, well, sometimes, I don't know, I, I I guess there's a lot of people who want to say, play a gotcha when they find Mm. out you're a Christian or it's like, Mm -hmm. Uh, and they'll ask, try and, and stump you or something. And, and sometimes those, those kind of gotcha questions. I'm like, I don't really like, there's a, there's a limiting to, there's a limit to my understanding as a human being. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, science is ever progressing, but it doesn't, it it can't explain, it doesn't, they, they can't explain consciousness yet. And Mm so they're, they're, uh, to me, it just makes sense that there's, you know, time and space that you're talking about, that these are these are things that are here on earth. And if there is a spiritual realm, which I believe there is, I believe that there's something, you know, that transcends this material world. I believe mm-hmm. in God. Um that, that t- our ideas of time and space don't apply to a God who is infinite. And yeah, so yeah. it doesn't God is transcendent
1: yeah. to these things. Yeah. yeah yes. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You said it better than I did. <laughs>
1: <Thanks>. <laughs> my brain's not working well yet. That's I'm okay. on my first That's cup okay. of coffee. we warmed up. Okay.
0: <laughs> so um, let, me, let me get more into, and, and we can come back to some more specifics, about because I know I'm going to have more questions about mm-hmm. your faith. But um, one of the things that you said to me offline that was so interesting is, mm-hmm. you know, this show, Deprogrammed, I talked to a lot of people about my old belief system, which I do believe functioned for me like a religion. Maybe mm-hmm. a very uh, um, uh, inadequate religion. There were a lot of there were a lot of gaps. or a lot of things it didn't provide. Yeah, but yeah. but it's sort of a, a false, in my opinion, a false kind of faith. And um, I think that Christianity is, I think, the antidote to woke. That's just my personal opinion. That's how mm-hmm. um, it's it's worked for me. It is a. It's not just a belief system. It's a behavior system which, mm. which is, is something I've been thinking about a lot lately. And anyway, on this show, I talk to people about my old ideology quite a bit. And you said to me offline that woke and Hinduism also do not walk well together. No, can you, no, Could you all. talk about that a little bit?
1: Well, see, this is the thing about woke. People talk about, I was just listening to, I think, Douglas Murray yesterday or the day before and he was talking about you know on this newscast the new religion of woke Mm -hmm. and they kept talking about new religion new religion in a way I think it's not a new religion it's just the most recent mutation of Marxism
0: yeah so this
1: is an old it's just like saying you know like Omicron isn't a whole new disease it's the one of the most recent uh, mutations of COVID so similarly I think that what we're seeing woke now is the most recent mutation of Marxist ideology, Marxist critical consciousness, yes. So um, one thing that I see a lot of people in the like anti-woke movement, I guess you could say, a lot of them just happen to be based in like the Judeo-Christian and more conservative kind of camp of things. Mm-hmm. And they think um, that woke is like inherently anti-Christian and anti-Judeo-Christian, and it's like only out to destroy like white male patriarchy, all of that. but. That's only partially true because Marx, the Marxist ideology sets it up against the whole world. I agree. Whatever, yeah, whatever ideology, whatever culture, uh, it sets itself up as an enemy against the whole world. And you can see this, um, how it's happened, how they have fought systematically against indigenous cultures across the world, which is another thing that people need to educate themselves with because there's all these leftists and Marxists claiming to be friends and allies of indigenous people when they're just instilling and enforcing leftist colonial colonialism. It's still mm-hmm. colonialism, it's just leftist Marxist colonialism instead of supporting indigenous people in their own indigenous frameworks and paradigms and narratives, right? right. So uh, I, um, I tell people to look at, especially what happened in two different countries in, in China with the cultural revolution because that obviously wasn't a white Christian Judeo-Christian mm-hmm. <laughs> nation. Yet you can see through the Cultural Revolution how Marxism um, destroyed the entire traditional Chinese culture and set it uh, itself up against the, ide- the old ideas, the, the four olds, the old ideas, old customs, old mm-hmm. habits, you know, old practices, all those things. And um, it really decimated Chinese culture. And Chinese culture was one of the strongest civilizations on the planet for many thousands of years. One of the richest, most complex, very successful society. And even more so than China was India. And this is, people know nothing about India, very little. We have a- Yeah,
0: so I know about I know about how it decimated China during the Cultural Revolution, mm-hmm. but you're right. I don't know a lot about Marxism in India.
1: Yeah, and and- the thing about Hinduism is that it's the only classical ancient civilization that's still continuously living, living on today. Everybody else has been wiped out, converted, or genocided. Ancient Persians are gone. Ancient Egyptians are gone. Uh, you know, all these great ancient civilizations, um, they've all been wiped out and they just they only exist in people's memories and storybooks in the museums. It's not a living culture and ethos anymore, right? So in India, they've survived hundreds of years of Islamic invasions. And if you look at the Islamic uh, history, how Islam spread everywhere they went, they were very brutal. And within a generation or two, everyone was converted. Everybody, everywhere they went, Um, every culture, every tribe, every city, um, they were all digested (laughs) into Mm -hmm. Islam. Right? India is the only place, as far as I can tell the only place on earth, the only civilization that has been able to withstand um, the onslaught of Islam, but not only the onslaught of Islam, but also the Christian missionaries, because for hundreds of years, billions of dollars have gone into the conversion industry um, and missionary mafias in India. Uh, And also they've survived the Marxist onslaught. So you have the Muslims or Islam and Christianity and Marxism all attacking India for hundreds of years simultaneously that have digested and destroyed every other indigenous culture on earth, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yet India is still here and going strong. In some ways she's suffered a lot in the last mm-hmm. hundred years, especially. But if you look on the big mass scale over the thousands of years, I think what Indian culture and civilization has to offer, it has so many solutions for our world today. And I think if you took those Dharmic values and a lot of the Vedic values, with the technology and ability to create and spread wealth today. Like, man, we could live on heaven on earth.
0: (laughs) What is, what are, what do you mean by dharmic values
1: and Vedic values? Well, a lot of the, the core values of Hinduism and Vedic culture is this idea. The Supreme truth is Aham Brahmasmi, which is I'm one with Brahman. And your true identity, your like essential constitution pos- and uh, positionality is as a soul or as an Atman. So you are beyond time, you are beyond space, you are beyond birth, you are beyond death. This carry and this Sahila and these bodies, these are temporary personalities. They came into the world and they'll go, but there's something beyond the, the real me, capital M E, you know, something the capital it- self. Yes. In Something Hinduism, eternal, I believe yes, that too. Yes, yes, and we call that the the Atman, or or sometimes translated as as the soul. And another thing to understand is that in Hinduism, when you're introduced to, when you are introduced to yourself, it's as part and parcel of Brahman, part and parcel of Krishna. So the soul um, qualitatively is one one and the same with God, uh, one and the same with Krishna, just not qualitatively. Uh, or quantitatively. So God is everywhere all the time, always. Mm -hmm. And we believe that nothing can exist in this material world unless it has, unless it's reflected in something real in the spiritual world. Sometimes those reflections come through uh, clearly and positively and in righteous, beautiful spiritual ways. And sometimes those reflections can come out in perverted ways and and ugly, what we would call like negative or bad ways, but anything that is in this existence, whether it's the people or the dogs or the trees or you know, the material, everything in this material world, um, it has some sort of foundation or basis in the spiritual world to be reflected here in this temporary world. Um, so that Brahman, that what we believe is, it's like the force or God. Um, we believe, yeah, that's uh, eternal and um, full of bliss and full of knowledge. And um that us as Atmans, that we are that we are that um that we are that part of us, not the ego, not the personality, not all of this temporary stuff that we've built up, not our our identities, yeah, not the flesh, not our identities, not our beliefs um but that eternal soul. Um, and that's not just for us, but for all the living, the various living entities throughout the whole cosmic manifestation. So not just humans but dogs and you know, cats and the whales and the cows Mm. and all of the living entities throughout this whole cosmic manifestation. So it's not just thinking about here on earth, but there's life that we can't even comprehend in other dimensions, but, and they might not have physical bodies like us, but they have a soul, you know, maybe Mm. covered by an astral body or energetic body, but we believe, yeah, that all throughout this cosmos, there are so many living entities and all these eternal souls that are on so many various paths and journeys having their own stories, you know?
0: Yeah. So what, so what would be like, what are the, what are the Dharmic values? And maybe I'm not oh, using that right. word correctly. I went around that. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. But, but, so what are those and yeah. how are they? I'm also interested in how they, they don't, there's a great essay. I've had Samuel say um, I've talked to Samuel say before, who's a, a Christian mm-hmm. writer. He has a blog called slow to write. He wrote a great essay about, um, I think it was. I think it was great for people who maybe aren't familiar with, with Christianity. Also, it, it was about how the tenets of the gospel, the values of the gospel, and of Jesus are antithetical to woke mm, and what woke mm. teaches. Yes. Um, to for me to look at Hinduism and say it, you know, woke is antithetical to Hinduism. I don't know where mm. to start because I don't well, know, like, the, what are those dharmic The values? main thing
1: is that you are the self, right? You are the okay. transcendental self that is beyond the body. So you're not an American. You're not female. You're not white. You're not black. You're not human. You are the soul, right? So mm. in all of the various scriptures, it says in so many ways that the learned transcendentalist, one who really has true spiritual vision, they see with equal vision. They just see God everywhere in all of the various living entities. And when you see God everywhere, then obviously you're not going to treat somebody very badly, you know, whether it's the tree or the dog or the cow, you know, you're going to treat them differently than if you just think this is some hunk of mass, you know, with no feeling, no personality, no spirituality. And in wokeism, you are reduced to your collective identity, whether you identify with it or not. So I cannot go beyond my transness. I can't go beyond um, like a black person can't go beyond their blackness. Like you're always going to be your collective identity. Um, and you'll never be able to transcend that. Um, and I hate that because in woke, like in one of my last workplaces, they were literally asking me to, to look at and perceive and treat black people and trans people differently because they're poor and (laughs) undereducated. And I'm like, that's so racist. But anyways, as it relates to (laughs) Hinduism, it's like, But I have the religious and spiritual prerogative to see all of the living entities with equal vision and to see God's presence and the presence of divinity everywhere. So what you want me to do as a woke person is to not go to the core, but to focus on all of this extraneous outside meaningless, temporary, superficial stuff. Yes. And I think, no, I think most of the issues we face are solved better if, if we go even if you want to be more agnostic or secular go the way of martin luther king treat people by their character that's very Mm. good i go a little bit further krishna says go even further to see people you know as the soul so you have to see that transcendental self within that other person because that's ultimately part and parcel of krishna in them and in you like there's oneness shared between you even though Mm. they're separate bodies right um, the oneness you know, and the divinity of God is present there. So you should respect that, see that, praise that, glorify that, not cover it all up with, Oh, you're old and transgender and handicap and Samoan and like all this, like different, yes. various <laughs> lists of things, you know, that's not your identity.
0: Yes. Run. Okay. So I think one thing that we have in common is that, is that, yeah, I came to understand through this journey I've been on is that, um, our identity, because I was in woke for so long and mm-hmm. identity, identity, identity is so important to them. And, and what they mean by identity is what race you are, what sex you are. If you're, if you're trans, yes. if you're, yes. you know, fat, if you have a mental health issue and it's all these, yes. um, it's all these immutable characteristics or these, these, um, th- these very meaningless things, yeah. I think in the, in the long run, and that's yeah. not your identity. My identity is, as, as you were talking about my identity is something eternal. It's not this body, this shell that I'm in or what circumstance I was born into here on earth.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I think in my spiritual conspiratorial mind, like I think Marxism and woke ideology is literally like a demonic conspiracy. It's spiritual warfare. And it's so funny that like, even now they come out and say it's critical consciousness Um, because like what we've try and do, especially as devotees of Krishna, there's so many kinds of Hindus, but the idea is that you want to practice and imbibe God consciousness or Krishna consciousness, not critical consciousness. You know, Mm. (laughs) I'm here for the Krishna consciousness to see the presence of Krishna everywhere. And like the whole concept of Krishna is so lovely and sweet and fantastic. And when you try and find Krishna, that sweetness in everywhere, instead of looking for an occurrence of white supremacy or racism or oppression or prejudice, like, I don't know, like if, what's that saying? Like a hammer is always going to go look for nails or something like that. You know, all you've got is
0: a hammer. Everything looks like a nail. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So these people, every interaction, it's not, if racism happened, if white supremacy happened, if uh, Islamophobia happened, it's like, how did anti race or how did racism happen here? How did white, Uh, supremacy manifests itself not if so they train people specifically to engage only in lower base material consciousness they can't be risen to like transcendental vision so Mm -hmm. i think that this is a spiritual trick to keep people ignorant and just engage them in like animal material consciousness. You I, know?
0: I completely agree with that. So is, is woke trying to, is there an encroachment on Hinduism? In, oh, in the yes. Christian church, there is. They're trying to come into the churches oh, yes. and upside down everything.
1: Yes. In America, um, it's changed over the last decade a lot. Because um, if you go back far enough, like people didn't really know enough didn't know anything about Hindus or Indian people, maybe an assumption here or there, but because they were different and they're a racial and religious minority, they're pretty high up on the like victim oppression. Mm. On the
0: woke scale.
1: Yes, (laughs) yes. However, uh, what we've been seeing in the United States and in in Europe, a lot of the Western world is that a lot of the woke movements have uh, been more supportive of Islam and Muslims. And there's like this, joint like allyship of Islam and leftism. That's like really bizarre. And a lot of the Islamic activists that are working with leftists, um, they spread all of this propaganda that India is this fascist nationalist country and that Hindus are terrible people and they hate Muslims. And uh, they, they want to like commit genocide against Muslims in India. And they present Hindus as like these horrible backwards people. And to give a, an example of how things have changed. Um, Quick backstory. So one of the issues in India is that, like I said, for hundreds of years, there was Islamic conquest and rule. Um, And it was really hard for the Hindus and the Buddhists and the Jains, um, because Islam is very iconoclastic and very monotheistic, and my way is the only way. It was really rough. Now, there's a part of India called Kashmir. And for many hundreds of years, uh, Islam has been working to wipe out all of the Kashmiri pundits, uh, or like the indigenous priestly Hindu population there. And over the years there have been various exoduses of Hindus being forced to leave because their Muslim neighbors, um, have, have given them the option of convert, leave or die. Um, and it's been a horrible, horrible, bloody genocide, really ridiculous. And nobody really talks about it, but years ago, I found this out when I was working in Oregon, the state, um, I think it was the state legislature of Oregon was one of the only places in the world to recognize the Kashmiri genocide back in the nineties. I think it was, and they actually passed like a thing recognizing that. So like Oregon used to be really woke and liberal and all of those things like, but like more sane and understanding the issue. Like, oh, the Hindus are clearly being genocided against, this is a religious war um, and people are being killed just because they're Hindu. Um, but now the leftists and Islamists work so much together in Oregon and uh, New York and places in LA, you have groups chanting Azadi or like freedom for the Muslims to rule over Kashmir. And they're saying that the Muslims are the ones that are being killed and genocided against by fascist Hindus when it's the complete opposite. So it's wow. basically... Like people saying, oh, the poor Nazis, those Jews just keep taking advantage of them and ruining their culture and destroying them and being so fascist trying to genocide them. But it's the complete opposite. So why do you think woke is, you
0: know what I'm thinking? I would love to have you on a show with um, one of my regular co-hosts on uh, Monday shows is Cameron Pasha, who's Mm -hmm. Islamic. Mm -hmm. I think you guys would have a really interesting conversation. (laughs) He has his own criticisms of Western uh, Muslims. Mm -hmm. Why why do you think that is that there's this uh, sort of strange uh, bedfellow relationship that's developed in the West between woke and Islam in the West?
1: I think the spiritual undercurrents are the same, even though the outer manifestations of the ideologies and the religions are different. The spiritual undercurrent is the same. So whether people are conscious of it or not, I think they feel a like kindred spirit kind of. Um, a lot of. A lot of the leftists and Muslims work with each other because a lot of, most of the leftist Muslims in the Western world are women and also hijabis and feminists, which is very confusing.
0: That is confusing. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, and a lot of them will support like LGBT rights and stuff, but it's like really bizarre because like you can't, you can't get any imams or mosques, you can't get any actual like religious authorities or people with any theocratic understanding, theological understanding to support you. It's just like these really um, random young feminist Muslim women for the most part. But I think that they, they, they both are very monotheistic. And I think a lot of the monotheistic traditions lead towards May or not, if if not, lead towards very easily the trap is there for you to fall into egoism and narcissism, hmm. and I think that is, if you take like a severely fundamentalist Islamic person or a severely severely woke person, um, maybe not the woke of today, but like the woke during like the Chinese revolution, cultural revolution, like their behaviors are the same, you know, hmm. uh, the purity spirals are the same people start even when you get rid of everyone else and the outsiders now you start fighting against each other and inner factions and then you just spiral 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 until someone could have been a really pure great person in the ideology five years ago but now it's like oh they're not now they're considered a traitor and they're not like committed enough and people just it's a self-destructive system
0: You're making me think of, I was just reading an article about the Spanish Inquisition. Mm -hmm. And, and one of the things that struck me was how Christianity was being used um, for the totalitarian state and how a lot of what they were describing that was going on reminded me of today, although taken to the extreme, but they were talking about self-censorship. So there was this real uh, movement to purge. Mm -hmm. Non-believers or false believers, false converts, Jewish people who had converted to Christianity in the in the late 1400s, 1500s, in the 1500s. And they were they were looking for any evidence that they still held on to any Jewish traditions. And so people were turning in family members, all of that same kind of stuff that you see in totalitarian
1: societies. Yeah, they even had Catholic Inquisition in India in Goa. They had inquisition up till the 1800s. Yeah. So same story in Goa when the Portuguese and the Catholics were there torturing people. You have to change your name. You can't speak your native language. You can't wear your native clothes. Uh, the way that you eat rice has to be in a Portuguese Christian way instead of eating rice in a Hindu way. So what is that? Uh, I think uh, you weren't allowed to put butter and you had to put salt instead no. or something like that. I can't remember, <laughs> but it was so people so regulated to that extent, you know, and Uh, even today, it's very unfortunate, but a lot of the really evangelical missionaries that are in India to make, to prove to them that they've um, like actually converted, uh, they'll make people take their pictures of their gods or their Murtis, their statues and like spit on them or smash them and break them and like make them show like you are committed now to this new way of life. And you've completely cut off with your old history. That's sort of evidence of that. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to like the different cult values in Hinduism and woke is that woke and all of the Abrahamic religions, as far as I'm concerned, because they're so monotheistic, there's no room for pluralism, right? Even they, like in Christianity, it's only until fairly recently, I think that like the Catholics and the Protestants have been able to get along, you know, how many years were they killing and destroying each other? And in Islam, you have the Sufis and you have the Shias. And how long have they been slaughtering each other and fighting Mm. for dominance? But in Hinduism, you have this idea of pluralism that's so open and like you worship this God. okay, you worship that God. okay. we're all part and parcel of God. So like you're on a path to towards self-realization. So that's going to be individualized and look different for everyone else, dependent on your natural inborn tendencies and your natural inborn nature. Mm-hmm. So in India, um, people portray Indian Hindu civilization as very backwards and casteist and discriminatory and oppressive. but India was actually um, talking about Inquisition and the Jews, the only place in the world where the Jews could go and they weren't um, genocided against or attacked or, um, or bothered. They were just free to, to be. And I think one of the first things that the Israeli parliament or government did when they formed Israel, I don't know if they wrote like an actual act or something but they came out and they were like thank you India because in all of our history of the Jewish people you were the only ones to give us like refuge and a home and we're peaceful and we're trying to like destroy us you know so not only the Jews but also when uh, the Zoroastrians of the Persian culture when all of Islam was coming into Persia and killing all of the Zoroastrians they fled to India And, um, and they, all of the Zoroastrians, um, they were allowed to take refuge in India and, um, they live very nicely, very peacefully. And some of the oldest existing, uh, uh, Christians even are Indian in India, the Thomas Christians. So there's so many hundreds, if not thousands of Sampradayas and Muts or like groups, denominations of Hinduism. So many groups of Buddhists and Jains and Sikhs and even Christians like the Hindu, um, social system just allows for that fluidity and the flexibility of everyone to get along very well.
0: So what I'm hearing you saying, let me, let me think about this for a second. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so one of the the similarities that I saw in that article about the Spanish Inquisition, mm-hmm. in that case, in that point in history, it was um, tyrants in a totalitarian state using Christianity as their method and, and kind of, I think, per- mm-hmm perverting and abusing uh, and exploiting Christianity to terrorize Mm -hmm. people, dominate people, oppress people. And what I see, and and people were self-censoring and everything to fit in and conform. Mm -hmm. And what I see happening now in the West is a totalitarian state using woke to terrorize people, to get people to fall in line, to um, people are afraid they self-censor because, because woke is being used by the state. So, I've always thought, or what I've, not always, in the past couple years, I've started thinking, I I guess um, that any belief system can be used, can be uh, perverted, can, that human nature, the dark side of human nature is going to come out in some people and that you can use, you can use any system of belief. You can try and turn it upside down and use it as a hammer to oppress someone else. Mm -hmm. Are you saying that Hinduism is different from some of these from other belief systems because it is pluralistic and you think it's more um, immune
1: to that? I think so. Not completely immune, but much right. more immune. So, you know, I think it has mostly to do with the personality and the nature of the person, because mm-hmm. if you have a someone who is very, um, what's the word? Uh, it's very easy for you to fall into egoism and like narcissism and those, you're like more prone, more vulnerable and more prone to those things. I think that the monotheistic traditions will feed those negative psychological spaces, you know, and tendencies. Um, And it kind of creates like the worst in what we see in like the Old Testament God, you know, this smiting, and this is my only way, there's one way to do it, there's one God. And like, if anyone that dissents, you know, you kick them out or they're outcasts or you kill them, you know? so, I definitely see a lot of that now with the woke being forced on everyone for sure. Um, Do Hindus go
0: out and try to convert? People? No,
1: no. You have Hare Krishna people or their um, uh, ISKCON or International Society for Krishna Consciousness. They evangelize, they will go out and like try and distribute books. Uh, most people know them. They have shaved heads, at orange robes, and they danced in the airport. I know. Hare Krishna. What? Hare Krishna. What? Yeah, Hari yeah. Krishna
0: gave me. Oh no! Well, yeah. Hari Krishna gave me a book to read once. Um, anyway, that's yeah. all. I...
1: So that's probably the closest tradition that I align with is Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Um, but I'm not a group. I'm not a part of ISKCON or the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. But they will go out and distribute books and share. But there's no compulsion. There's no even concept of like go out and convert other people to our ways. Like, it's just, it doesn't even occur to people, because everybody has their own dharma. Um, and everybody has the ways, everybody's kind of looked to take on, carry on the traditions of their ancestors, too. You know, the way of your your parents and your forefathers and your ancestors is pretty important. So if you want to convert, that's okay. But like, to go out and ask someone to change everything about them um, is, yeah, not a Hindu thing. It's more of like, hey, there's like this philosophy, if you want to know about it, like, we'll teach you about it. But There's no such thing as conversion per se.
0: What do you mean everyone has their own dharma? What does that mean? Well,
1: everyone has their own duty. Everyone has their own, yeah, duty. So Krishna talks about um, what everybody has their own right to do what they were incarnated here in this time and space to do. They have to do that, right? So some of us. We're born to be painters and to be artists and like to put ourselves into that, you know. And some people—that is that person's dharma, you know. Other people, it's their dharma to sing and to be in music, and their whole being is just about singing. So it's like the dharma of water is like to be wet. The dharma of fire is to be hot. And the dharma of people will manifest in different ways for them to leave And and those that action, those duties, and that will lead you on a path towards self-realization. So if painting and art and all of that is your dharma, like you doing that will help you understand yourself and your own system of unfolding and unblossoming, right? Mm -hmm. Um, In Krishna and Bhagavad Gita, it's one of our most important scripts. Krishna says, like, it's better for you to do your own dharma and, and even fail at it than to do somebody else's dharma and succeed at it. Because Mm -hmm. it's not your dharma. You're not here to do that. That's not your space. That's not what you're here for. So um, there's this idea that, yes, like everybody has their own duty and they have to do that. Um, The Sva Dharma or the ultimate Dharma, the ultimate responsibility um, is to serve God, to serve and to love God. Before anything else, you know, that is the supreme dharma of everyone to know and to serve God. Um, and then we all do that through various ways some of us will do it through like I said music some of us will do it through farming and gardening some of us will do it through deity worship and pujas and rituals Other will, people will do it through being a doctor or a nurse or healing people through those means so Dharma is like your inborn nature like what you're here to to do and to accomplish and to explore
0: mm-hmm. and how do you how do Hindus explain people who are living in Either depression, mm-hmm. um, resentment, evil—like you know, just evil behavior—on mm-hmm. a scale of just just all the different kinds of darkness. Whether it's yeah. their own personal torment and mm-hmm. um, and being in a very low place with no purpose or meaning that they can that at mm-hmm. least that they can see at the time, mm-hmm. all the way to someone who's living in evil yeah. and hurting people. Like, how does how is that explained?
1: To the degree that you're more entangled in material consciousness, you will suffer more. So the yeah. more you're in critical consciousness, the more you're focusing on all the material things that, because everything in this world, some people say, oh, it's not real. It's not that it's not real. It's just, we don't consider it concrete real because everything in this material world is changing, right? Nothing stays the same forever. Even the pyramids over thousands and thousands of years, they're still there, but they've changed, they've morphed, mm. they deteriorated, right? So, um, yeah, the more you entangle yourself in material consciousness, the more you're going to be angry, the more you're going to quarrel, the more you're going to be depressed. Um, and that will, and, and also the, the kind of lifestyle that you live is also important. So your feng shui, the setting up of your house and where you live and how things are placed in your home can affect you. Your diet is a huge thing. And... Um, whether the different exercises you do or don't do, you know, Mm -hmm. um, the emotional and mental hygiene that you partake in or don't partake in, you know, so there's multi-dimensional aspects to why someone might be, um, depressed and angry and resentful. And generally, like I was saying, Hinduism sees time as cycles, right? So, uh, the age that we're in right now is considered the iron age or the age of Kali, and this is like the lowest, most degraded uh, like base age, like not so great. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there like a long <laughs> time ago, there was like the golden age where people were like very enlightened and um, everything was great. And then you have like, you're moving through these different stages and now we're in the iron age and this is most difficult. And it's known as the age of quarrel. Um, so when you wow. see everybody arguing and quarreling like it's, we're in the age of Kali. That is the, the, the predominating nature, not everybody, but the predominating theme is like very low, low animalistic consciousness. So
0: when's that going to end? Cause I would like to,
1: <laughs> depends, it depends on who you ask. There's a couple, <laughs> couple different answers. Some people um, they've come up with their mathematical astrological um, calculations. And it's like from a couple thousand more years to hundreds of thousands of more years but from the krishna conscious perspective if if you're krishna consciousness and you're a god conscious person you're not dealing with the material world you're not dealing with time and space so and and if you're a god pers- conscious person you carry krishna and god within you you're like a walking pilgrimage and everyone that like comes in contact with you will will benefit from that whether they know it or not mm-hmm. you know because of the energy that you carry and yeah does that make sense?
0: <laughs> that does well that makes sense to me and the and that's actually because that's sort of similar to how I think of God and the Holy Spirit and Christianity. I mean, I don't I don't go out and try and convert people. Um, mostly because I don't well, I don't think I have that power anyway. I think that's yeah, a the Holy yeah. Spirit thing and that's not me. But I do believe that when God is living in you, um, that people can tell yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you yeah. change and yeah. your behavior changes and you yes. it's a it's not even of your own uh, conscious doing entirely it's just sort of right because you've made this commitment in this belief and you've asked in the christian you know belief system is you've asked the holy spirit to come and dwell inside of you
1: mm-hmm.
0: and there are going to be differences that doesn't mean that you're not going to sin or, mm-hmm. or uh, stumble or struggle because we're still here in these, on this mm-hmm. realm with this flesh, you know, in this mm-hmm. body. Yeah, and yeah. we are human and we have human temptations and, and failings and all of those things. But I think there's a marked difference when a person is animated by truth, beauty, joy, Versus when they're animated by the opposite, you know, resentment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we
1: have to be careful because it's age of collie, So that's all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is
0: so interesting. Thank you for taking the time to answer all yeah, of my kind of no dumb problem. questions. I am going to ask you about, since you mentioned at the beginning, you've also shared some interesting opinions um, about being trans mm-hmm. and living in this woke age where mm-hmm. there are oftentimes, this, this is something that is in the mainstream debate now, in the culture wars, mm-hmm. and oftentimes there are people who are speaking for trans people, mm-hmm. and you're one of several, many trans people I know, who are saying, hey, don't speak for me. Um, do you want to share some of your your thoughts on that? Like, oh, yes. I don't even know I- where to begin. <laughs> That's a long story,
1: Miss Carrie Smith. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, in relation to Hinduism, I can say okay. that my understanding of myself in general is informed by what I've been presented in the Hindu Dharmic tradition, but also how I understand like gender and sexuality and those sort of things are coming from Vedic tradition as well. So I don't think like the conservative right or the conservative left are correct, or either it's just not mine, it's not the way that I see myself and I see gender and sexuality. Um, So within Hinduism, like I said, it's a whole civilizational ethos. So there's all sort of pieces of this pie of different kinds of knowledge and study. And uh, in the medical texts, there's a whole section on embryological development. And um, it actually talks about why someone is a third gender. So it says there's male and then there's female and then there's third gender. And it goes through all of these reasons why someone would be born a male or a female or third gender. Um, So in the medical texts, also in the astrological texts, uh, the placement of various planets might affect someone's gender or sexual orientation, those sort of things. Um, The sexual position of the parents, all so many different things are taken into account with like, why are there third gender people? Past life impressions. So there's all these various aspects um, that talk about. Uh, LGBT people all the way back then, thousands of years ago. And this
0: is in Hinduism.
1: Yeah, this is in Hinduism and um, that text, I think that was called the uh, Shushruta Samhita, which is a very famous old Ayurvedic medical text and I think some of the first surgical medical texts to enter Europe were from India. They're Indian texts oh, on wow. plastic surgery because they, they even have a whole section on surgery thousands of years ago, cataract surgery, nose jobs, so many things. Very interesting. Um, interesting. Yeah. And um, it's very interesting. (laughs) Yeah. So the, I guess my narrative on how I understand gender and all of that, like, like I said, it's based in Hinduism. It's not coming from a leftist position or conservative or Christian Republican, whatever position. So I'm kind of an outlier because it's like, well, I don't support you. And then whoever that is, they think, oh, well, you must support them. And I'm like, well, I don't support them. either? (laughs) I'm I'm a Hindu and I have my own belief on things. I know know? a little
0: bit of that. I think anybody who doesn't just fall in line with a type of tribalism right now. Yeah. Is sort of face that where you're being called both things by both. So I think in the past month I've been called a turf and a trans enabling Pharisee. That was my favorite. I remember
1: when you called me that a trans-enabling Pharisee. <laughs> so I'm like, well, oh, which
0: is it? Anyway. So yeah. you so you don't so, really you're sort of an, an outlier.
1: Yes. And I don't like I don't like when people push their ways on me, I don't care what it is, religion, philosophy, politics, like diet, like just let me be like, I'm a very easy go person, easy go lucky person, you know, um, most of the time, just like, please kindly, like leave me the fuck alone and we'll be good, you know, but if you start trying to push stuff on me, like we're going to have an issue. Oh, um, so yes. (laughs) yeah, And like I said, and, um, why i don't like being portrayed by a lot of the trans activists is well one i think 99 of them aren't even trans uh <laughs> they're not um which sounds weird because how do people understand that right because my um my understanding of trans is like the old og old version of like transsexual is someone that like has gender dysphoria and transitions and like not that they even want and try to make changes to transition but you can't help it but to transition you know and at my last place of work it was so crazy because we had a whole month of mandatory blm trainings and all of this different stuff and like Mm. every day we had videos and lectures and articles we had to read and then we had two one hour 45 minute sessions a week where we had to break out in groups and talk about white supremacy and racism and all of these things so one of those was a gender and sexuality like teaching or whatever and the presenter, you know, I'm assuming was just like a regular gay guy, like maybe like a twink, you know, like he was wearing like a, <laughs> like men's clothes, like a tank top, like kind of messy hair and like uh, scruff, haven't shaved a few days, like I'm male in every well. way that I could imagine. Halfway through the presentation here, they are talking about that they're a transgender Muslim woman, a brown transgender woman of trans experience or something like that. And I'm like... <laughs> oh my gosh, like for real, for real, like you're going to come up in here looking like a total dude and like no makeup. You're like, you've got a beard and like. Wait, he said he was a a brown. Yeah, a brown, a brown. Yeah. Woman, a brown Muslim woman of transgender experience. What? And he wasn't joking. No, no. And that's the thing in Oregon. People take it so seriously. Carrie Smith um, I had to walk away from the activist and nonprofit social work world because it's all been overtaken by all yes. of these woke crazies. And again, all of these trans people that like, they are open about not having dysphoria. And some of them say to transition is rooted in uh white supremacist ideology because you're only, um, hankering and like going after, um. Uh, cis heteronormative white values and ideas of what it is to be a man or woman so even if now we have that school we have one school of trans that is like pushing the kids to transition as young as possible and then we have another extreme school that says like to even transition is transphobic i've seen Um, this what i've seen this other extreme school
0: i'm going to pause here for a second because some viewers may not be familiar with this so yes there, there there are the super woke people who are saying as you, as you said we need to transition kids as soon as possible so they have the greatest chance and they they often use uh, suicide and say if we don't if yeah, you don't yeah. they're likely to commit suicide and we have to we have to give these surgeries and these medical interventions to children who yeah. in in my opinion not just my opinion they're not capable of making these permanent medical decisions yeah when they're young when yeah. they're that young
1: yeah.
0: um, but then you have this other extreme, kind of of, a woke person who is now saying I've seen this online. This is what you're talking about. I think where they say we shouldn't have to physically transition. We just are so I can be look fully masculine. I was born a man. I have a penis. I have um, and I am a woman just because I say I am and there and I will not transition or change anything, but I want to be called and seen as a woman and how mm-hmm. dare you not do that? Because And here's the kicker, Carrie. A, what? Here's
1: the kicker. If you criticize or question them, then you're a misogynist. Yeah, <laughs> they're not a woman. <laughs> See how crazy it's become, the yes. nonsense and the tomfoolery. Oh, my it's goodness. It's crazy. So, yeah, I would come up against so many of these trans activists because I, I was a trans activist. And I don't like to say that anymore. I'm cautious when I say that because people have so many ideas, you know, and it's like we do need trans activism because it's like a lot of the people I was working with, like homeless people or young girls fundraising for young girls that have been trafficked into sex work or um, like homeless veterans. I've worked with so many different people, so many different demographics and stuff. So many people need help but like the only people that are allowed to do the helping now are the ones that ascribe to the Marxist view of everything. And now I have all of these, yeah, you know, like not trans trans people telling me how to trans. Um, yes. <laughs> and and for a lot of them, their transition, which might only consist of a little bit of a wardrobe change some makeup and like shaving half their head, like is more based in political ideology than yes. any sort of dysphoria. You know, so it's unfortunate. I understand why people think to be trans is to be a Marxist or a crazed communist person. I understand why that's, they have that assumption, but it's unfortunate because we're on all not that way. You know, like my my being trans had nothing to do with ideology or politics or using my body as a canvas to fight against the patriarchy or like none, none of that. You know, it was just for me from a very young age, as young as I could remember, it was like the whole trope, like stuck in the wrong body. You know, that's how I felt from the young, from the youngest age that I could imagine. And there has Do you to
0: think that there's a social contagion going on because now that it's exploded into the mainstream oh yes. sea, of
1: course. Yes, of course. Yes. 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 And it's, I saw this happen before this happened with trans. It's happened with identifying with mental illnesses yes, um, or psychological conditions. I will never forget the last time I went to a big, trans event i was invited to a national trans activist conference thing and it was one of the most bizarre things here i am thinking like oh i'm gonna meet some really cool trans leaders that are like doing good work in the community and like almost all of them were like crazy communists um and most of them were the younger female to males that claim to be men or boys boi um Mm -hmm. stuff like that and you know no intention of ever transitioning um or anything like that but uh yeah, they were they were really crazy. Where was I going with that? Um, well, the social contagion. Oh, the social contagion. Yeah. So when they would introduce themselves, hi, my name is Sahila. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And I have bipolar and depression. And I tried to kill myself two months ago. And I also have schizophrenia. And I'm working with a therapist right now and blah, 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 blah. And like so many people introduce themselves. Like it's cringy enough when it's the pronouns outside of LGBT spaces. If you're in an LGBT space. And in the midst of transition, I can understand that. But if you're in a non LGBT space and then you're just telling someone your pronouns, it's cringy enough. And then you go, Oh, I have like, I'm neurodiverse and I have autism and depression. And like literally Mm -hmm. there was one of the people there like, yeah, I tried to kill myself two months ago. And like, I'm still pretty suicidal now. So that's
0: part of their identity now.
1: It is. That's a part of their identity. So if you like that person, for example, they, um, funny enough, they actually did a presentation on Islam and how Islam is so great for LGBT people. What? <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. Um, again, the joint relationship yeah. there of Islam and LGBT bizarre. And a lot of her examples that she was using, she was using like pictures of Hindus in India and like Hindu tolerance of LGBT people saying it's, it's Muslim or is Islamic. She didn't even know. She didn't even know because she was, she was Pakistani. And she only went off what like her mom told her and Pakistan used to be a part of India and they have a lot of similarities with the third gender culture, but the acceptance and tolerance of LGBT people in Islam, and especially in Pakistan is due to the underlying old Hindu tendencies, not Islamic ones, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Cause there there can be no LGBT people in Sunni Islam, at least in Shia, this would be good to talk with your friend Cameron, because you guys would probably disagree
0: on a lot, but also yeah. agree on some interesting things.
1: In Iran, they trans the gay away. That's why they don't have any gay people. Because you can't be gay. It's illegal in Iran. So you you are forced uh, to transition by the government, and the government pays for it and everything for you to transition because you're not allowed to be gay. Does that make sense? That
0: does make sense. And so that's it's why you have It's pretty horrifying, more... right? Yeah, because it's, that's what they're sort of saying now about... Um, one of the the criticisms of of woke ideology transing mm-hmm. all these kids or trying to trans these kids immediately is that so isn't that kind of working like a kind of conversion therapy where you're saying yes yes yeah okay you must convert to the other sex now or try to so absolutely. that absolutely yeah it, I see it, that
1: I see that there a lot and it disturbs me because I did a lot of public education against conversion therapy because I almost ended up in conversion therapy oh, wow. as a kid uh, which would have been a such a nightmare um and I've met people that have gone through it and it's terrible so obviously I, I don't support that but I don't support what the left is doing which is like reverse uh, yeah conversion therapy yeah because you're still instilling some sort of something into the child where LGBT a few years ago, maybe five, 10 years ago, is was more about like, just let your kid be, you don't need a label. Mm-hmm. Like if your son likes playing with Barbies, okay. If like your girl likes playing with trucks and baseball, like, okay, Tom girl, maybe a little bit, but here and there, but you don't have to worry about it. Now, oh my gosh, like a boy likes pink. Oh my gosh, I must have a transgender child, you know, <laughs> or a girl that's just a tomboy and doesn't adhere to like 1950s, like WASP standards of what a woman should be. They're like, oh, she must be a transgender man, you know? And it's like, I, yeah. I think it's easier for people to process in some ways um, having a trans kid because it's just one or the other instead of having like a gay kid because then they have to process like homosexuality is different than if, yeah. Like if you have a trans kid, unless they're gay they're gonna be in a hetero, heterosexual relationship.
0: What they're calling a heterosexual Yeah,
1: person. yeah. I don't know what you would even call it, but yeah, <laughs> it's it, different. It's and then, different. then the,
0: the mind gets so twisted and bent around where you just see these incredible, I saw, I've, I've mentioned this before, but I'm in a lot of these parents groups for parents supporting other parents of trans kids just to see what, what they're talking about, and what they're pushing. And it really is an orthodoxy. And I've seen, yeah. Um. there was one mother whose daughter just, trans became a boy decided to mm-hmm. start identifying as a boy and her daughter, her daughters, she was now calling her daughter, her son, but mm-hmm. her daughter's boyfriend broke up with her. And she said something like, into to the group, you know, um, she thinks it's because of, you know, his mom found out that, that she, well, she was like calling him a he. So it gets so confusing. She was saying, because, you know, he's a boy because he's transitioned. Mm-hmm. And she said, do you think that this woman's son doesn't know, that her son is gay. And I was like, what are you talking about? He was dating your daughter, a girl. <sighs> yeah. Your daughter decided she wanted to identify as a boy. The The boyfriend broke up with her. And now you're saying it's because he hasn't accepted that he's gay. It's like, that doesn't, it doesn't. No, yeah.
1: No. It, the mental gymnastics these yeah. people go through. It's very unfortunate. Yeah. Um, I used to go to like LGBT support groups and then there's um, like PFLAG, Parents and Friends of Lesbians yeah. and Gays. Like when I was first coming out as a kid, these were really great resources and like actually really helpful and was more like the Trevor project. Like it gets better. And there wasn't like a whole ideology behind it. Um, it was more like you're normal. It's okay. We're going to work through this. And like, <clears throat> it was before this, it was before social justice cannibalized yes.
0: it that's yes. really what's happened yes. is
1: it's it's just kind of after gay marriage, every movement after gay marriage i saw a huge shift from not only in the lgbt but leftism in the democrat party in general and i think that's when the communist takeover happened and yeah. whatever is left of the democratic party is an empty shell that's just f- filled with marxism yeah so it's just I parading as agree. the democrat party but it's straight up marxism yeah yeah so so it's what are sad. your
0: fears about – one of the things you've, you've expressed in the past is, which I think is a very real fear, mm-hmm. is about what is going to happen now that there's – so So, the way I view it is there have always been a, a fraction of a percent of people mm-hmm. who've yeah. experienced gender dysphoria said they've always felt like you said, always felt like they were wrong, born in the wrong body. What's happened now is that this is there's this social contagion. It's exploded. It's become mm-hmm. incorporated into social justice. Now you get victim points and you move up on the hierarchy if you're trans or non-binary, all these different mm-hmm. categorizations. And so you have this explosion of kids now saying that they're trans. Mm-hmm. You have, especially in the neurodivergent communities, autistic kids, a lot of them are, are being yes. pulled and sucked into this yes. and saying, I'm trans too. And so there's this explosion of it and and you see... Um, social justice activists and TRA using it as a weapon against people and calling people transphobic if they don't if they don't you know fall in line with all these expectations and yeah, yeah. and allow kids to have surgeries and stuff. And so you've been saying that there are some very real fears about all this for oh, for yeah. trans people like yourself. Oh, yeah. What are those?
1: Well, my some of my main fears are people are just going to see lump us all together and you're just going to be one of them. You know, so mm-hmm. the. The idea that's being built in people's head through the media and the left is doing a good job of this on its own is projecting trans people, LGBT people, as like groomers and child predators and enforcing really inappropriate sexual sexuality like on children and in kids' spaces and all of these things. And 10, 15 years ago, it was bad enough. Like most people, vast majority of people had absolutely no idea what trans was, maybe a cross-dresser or a drag queen or something. And then like what they did now is like, oh, they're probably like perverts or degenerates or uh, molesters or sex workers or something. They're just like the scum of society. Right. Um, so we finally got to this like comfortable space till about like around gay marriage. And I think things were pretty good. But then once people started pushing, pushing, pushing all the orthodoxy and especially on kids, pushing the transition on kids, it's causing a big backlash. And I think I'm afraid that people are just going to assume me to be a communist because I'm trans. And I, uh, on your page, you had posted something about kids transitioning. And I said something about, this is very unfortunate. And it's such a nightmare situation because people like me will be lumped in with all of these people. And I don't support any of these things. And someone on the page was like, well, what's a nightmare is you and your community. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, I missed that. And you went on a huge, 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 long diatribe. And, this and that. And I was just like, thank you, sir. Because you very generously uh, illustrated my point. Yeah. My entire point is that you believe all of these different things, even stuff about like Trump, like I voted for Trump. I support this. I support that, the the things that you support, but you aren't interested in how we think alike and how we work together. You're just doing what I'm afraid of, which is automatically jumping to oh, trans communist so that,
0: that is so i'm sorry i missed that i'm gonna go back and find it
1: Well, what, a, uh, what an illustration
0: was, of your point though that's exactly what you were saying yeah it
1: was like exactly what i was saying and he tried to backpedal and stuff but like i snapshotted like the text and stuff and it was like <laughs> you and your community because he was like i wasn't talking about you and i was like you said like you and your community <laughs> are a nightmare and this and that and i'm like dude you know nothing about me like we probably agree on so many levels yeah and I don't even care. The thing is like, I guess this is very libertarian of me or something. I don't know. I don't need people to believe like me. I don't want people to believe like me. I think Hinduism has helped me a lot with that whole pluralism thing. Um, I don't have the time and energy to like make people think or believe like me. Like it's just besides the point. So it's so exhausting when they try. You're
0: you're above that though. But see that kind of person who's arguing with you in that way. I think they're missing that what they're trying to accuse you of is true for them. It is very important for that person that you believe like them and that you, yeah, and yeah. so, but they, they see it in you because it's in them, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, I'm kind of similar. I just don't, I, I don't, I'm I have something you said earlier that really resonated with me. Don't tell me what to do. Don't try to control yeah. me. Um, let me make my own decisions. I'm yeah. a, I'm a free, independent human being.
1: Yeah. Capable.
0: And, <laughs> mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. and I I can totally understand. And I support waiting on like surgery, especially for transition and kids and stuff. But like what I'm really worried about as well is that states are just going to be like, there are no such thing as trans people. And we will not allow like you to be on hormones. And they're, yeah, because right now I kind of see like the conservative right. Is like a sleeping, really fat dragon that's got like way out of shape and so lazy now. And over the last 10 years, it's become so watered down, so watered down, so watered down. Like when I think of Republicans and conservatives when I was a kid, like I said, I grew up in a very evangelical, very fundamental fundamentalist environment. So when I compare over time, this great scary dragon is just like this really obese, lazy like thing <laughs> of its past self but even though it's a sleeping fat dragon, if you poke it enough, you're gonna wake it up and it can still bite your head off, you know? Mm. So that's kind of how I see it. It's like, we had really nice things for a while, LGBTs. Like you keep pushing, pushing, pushing. It's not that the Republicans are evil and they're trying to do all of these things. Like, it's not like they have an agenda against trans people. All they do is just react to, to the over corrections that the left is trying to push. Yes. So, yeah, I'm really afraid, like, what if I can't get my hormones? Like, what if I can't get, yeah, what something I need for trans-related care, you know? Because uh, I, I moved all the way across the country when I was 19. I left Florida to go live in California so I could receive trans care. Because there was only one person at the time in the state that I knew of, two hours away. And you had to pay $175 for the first phone consult before he would even see you in person. So it was just like, Such a difficult, expensive, And now it's on every corner. And now, (laughs) oh my God. I couldn't believe I went to, since we moved from Oregon to Pennsylvania, I had to get a new doctor for trans-related care. And there's a trans clinic, LGBT clinic. So they do like trans stuff and like STD testing and things like that. And I was like, I don't know, this is probably going to be a really woke place, but I have to get my meds. Oh my God. Even in that clinic, they were asking me what I wanted my hormone levels to be. Uh, and I'm like, that's dangerous and inappropriate, like, wow. (laughs) Um, like you need to tell, you need to tell me if my levels are in the correct, safe place, not like if I want more or if I want less, but that's going into the more of body modification and non-binary movement, I think, because now we're seeing all sorts of stuff that never had to do with trans, like people half transitioning or non-binary surgery, that's not fully a penis or a vagina, but like a mix, like, and where they take the nipples off and don't replace. Yeah. Like end. there's a whole yeah. new, like in between element that's going on now. I don't know why you there's
0: also that, that. Well, that Val, that's a part of uh I got to interview this therapist a while back. Who's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Jake Wiskershen. He talked about how within therapy, they're now pushing this uh, validation, validation, oh, validation, affirmative therapy, affirmative therapy. therapy. Yes. This is terrible. Just, yes. yes. Not just with, not just with gender,
1: even not just with the, anything, uh, anything. identity, anything, Fatness, right? mental, mm-hmm. uh, self mental or self identification with mental illness. So DID, uh, autism is the biggest one, probably ADHD, depression, just self diagnosis. Right. And it very well may be that you have some, you know, autistic tendencies there. And like, I want people to be able to re- receive whatever resources they want, but I think Why people jump on the trans and the mental mental issue train is because those are the easiest things to change to alter your identity, which will raise you up in the victim hierarchy, right? So the gender things, it's accepted now that you can change that and move up. Uh, Transracialism is still on the fringe. That's for the most part, not accepted. So you can't change your race, right? Yet anyways, as far as we know, We've seen a couple of crazy people. Yeah, Uh,
0: I I know that they're kicking those people out right now and saying, no, no, you can't do that. Rachel Dolezal. But eventually this ideology will have to accept that because that's going to start to happen more and more often because these young kids that they're raising on all this Marxism and and postmodernism and everything is relative. There's no truth. There's no biological truth. Yeah, they're going to be pierced and they're going to say, yes. well, if I can do that with my sex, why can't I do it with my race? And that's
1: going to. Because I, I everything think, is yeah. a social construct, then everything can be socially deconstructed and then reconstructed however I want. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. that's why I tell these teachers they're going to be reaping a lot of bad karma, because if you look at the Cultural Revolution, you have years of radicalizing the youth and who were some of the worst people that were literally torn apart alive, like eaten alive, literally eaten alive the teachers, the professors. Wow. The the students who had been so radicalized into this purity spiral, you know. um, Yeah, I was reading about uh, the flesh parties of Guangxi province where they literally took professors and ripped them open alive and would eat their organs like to prove their hatred of the rightist capitalist rotors and the bourgeoisie and all of these things. And we think the last few years have been bad with everything, everything being labeled racist, you know, like toothpaste, racist, hiking, racist, like everything was racist. Same thing in China happened. Everything was labeled bourgeois, bourgeois, bourgeois. Grass, having grass, bourgeois. bourgeois. Uh, <laughs> eating fresh fruits and vegetables, bourgeois. Having good hygiene and brushing your teeth too much, bourgeois. Uh, <laughs> pregnant women taking off time uh, is, was actually considered bourgeois. So you had to literally give birth in the Maoist philosophy, you know, and as soon as you gave birth, you had to get back in the field and commit to the revolution. So the revolution and commitment to Mao is above everything. So the kids that are be, being radicalized right now, like all of these teachers and professors thinks they're great, but like their kids are going to come up with a new term for turf and they're going to be the new turfs yes. or the new fascists. And um, if you don't do Because the line- they're not pure enough. Yeah. And they're going to be eaten alive they're already In some instances they literally were you know <laughs> did you see them
0: yeah. the past 2 days i just saw this last night i was late mm. to uh, sometimes i'm not sometimes i'm actually not online believe it or not uh, <laughs> yeah and and i i missed these news items until later Bette midler and macy gray yeah. are yeah. both under fire right mm. now from their own sort of leftist echo chamber yep. for making both making statements of fact a biological fact about yeah. how you can't actually become a woman, even if you have surgery. It's not that it's, you know, you're, and Macy Gray, I think said, you know, I know lots of trans people. If you want me to you know, use your pronoun, I will, but you didn't become a woman because of surgery. It's just a biological fact. And yet they're both being mobbed right now by their own. And I mean, trans
1: people can't even say that there's a biological difference, but it's like, Blair White and Buck Angel have said this before. Like, if I can't talk about my own biological differences, then why did I transition? There would be no yeah. reason for <laughs> yeah, trans cause... people to exist. Like, why did I do all of this? Like years of blood, sweat, and tears and thousands of dollars and you know, yeah. all of these things. It's not just, yeah, I'm I'm fighting against the patriarchy and just deconstructing these social constructs. It's uh, it's yeah. not what it's about.
0: <laughs> so so Hyla, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Mm. I know that you do uh, a
1: podcast as well. you have a YouTube channel. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Oh yeah. Um, thank you for asking. I totally forgot. Um, so I just have my own YouTube channel. I don't have a a ton of videos up there. Um, but I do have my own channel. It's called Sahaila Devi, S-U-H-A-I-L-A-D-E-V-I, Sahaila Devi. And I talk about so many things, um, there's like Hindu chanting videos, videos about Indian history and gods and goddesses and spiritual topics. There's, um, I did a video on my walkaway story. So if you wanna know about how I left the left, um, I have a video on um, the transgender umbrella or transgender as an umbrella term and how that harms like actual transsexual people. So if you're interested, um, check out my channel. And Uh, you guys can find that link down below. Yeah, and um, I'm also a friend of Carrie Smith on Facebook. If anybody wants to you can reach me through email um which i'll give to carrie smith but my email uh, or my facebook you can reach me through those means so if you have any questions especially about um veda counseling or spiritual counseling or having a hindu ritual done for you or if you want to talk to me and have me on your channel then please reach out (laughs) i have to
0: ask you one more question in the back did you make those flower arrangements no, they're actually oh, okay. um, what are they're they? little orchids. Oh, yeah, they are orchids. Beautiful. Oh, I, oh there you go. Because I know
1: you make very beautiful flower oh. arrangements. Oh, thank you. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I post those pictures on Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. These actually came from work. I, um, in addition to what I do with radio counseling and stuff, I, I work at a retirement home in activities, and uh, these came from the retirement home. Trader Joe's is very nice, and they donate every week all their flowers that they don't sell. To us um oh, so we get nice. buckets and buckets of orchids and roses and so many flowers every week so i have orchids like all over the house that we got for free from trader joe's How and they're nice. perfect i don't know yeah. why they had to sell them they were like 30 bucks and looks good to me <laughs> yeah
0: that's so nice yeah well so Hyla, thank you so much for being here with us yeah. today you guys uh go check out our channel it's down below thank you for watching if you like the yeah. video consider hitting like and I'll talk to you later.
1: Thank you, Carrie. Thank you, listeners. Bye.
0: (laughs) Bye Bye-bye.